This week, the obvious question is, are digital communications killing face-to-face -face communications in today's age? I'm Mike Travisano, and on this episode, Bob Meyer asks Joe Vitalik and myself if today's communications tools like social media and instant messaging, are they killing our ability to speak with each other face-to-face? -face? More than that, is the huge and growing presence of their use killing our ability to form meaningful relationships? One of the things that's been on my mind lately is, you know, a lot of social media, digital media, and um, and also conflict and communications and how a lot of people uh, don't use face-to-face -face communications anymore. They they might deal with a conflict via a text message or an email. Uh, so I kind of remember the old, uh, when music TV came out on MTV and the, the first video cast they played was, you know, uh, video killed the radio star. So my question is, is digital communications killing face-to-face -face communications in today's age. Yeah, I'm going to react really quickly because it's funny, I've been talking about this the last couple of days uh, and I won't answer that one directly, but I'll say there is way, way too much input for me. And I'm not nearly connected even as much as you guys are, as much as, as my kids are, my friends are and stuff, but I'm getting much too much information and I, I'm, not, I'm not able to process it well. I, I know how to exclude it and I, I know how to miss it after I've excluded it, but I don't know how to be inclusive in a, in a world that's gone digital, that so much information is coming at me. And, and to now directly answer your question, Bob, I think it is killing it because I find myself connecting through technology, as, you know, the, the digital stuff versus picking up the phone and talking to somebody or meeting somebody and having a conversation. That's not the method they're using to talk to me, so I generally use their method to get back to them, you know, the way that's easiest for them. Even to the point where um, during the day I'm getting text messages, and then once I'm in this text group, everyone that responds to it, I, I get the little ding on the phone, and I've got to check that, and it, it, it's disruptive to me. I can't process it all very well, and, and I don't like it. I was talking to somebody the other day who said, "Why can't we go back to the way things were? You know, even 50 years ago, where you know there was a telephone, there, and you, mostly you met with people, you talked with people, and occasionally you had a conversation on the phone. It's just gotten way too complex." I think I, this is Mike. I think that uh, my reactive answer is yes. That that uh, social media, digital communications are killing uh, the way we communicate. But then, if I step back and I think of it, probably killing is not the right word. It, what what is a better word is that it's it's fundamentally changing the way we communicate. And that's maybe too obvious, but at least I think it captures it more. And I might not be okay with how it's fundamentally changing. In fact, I kind of am not okay with it. I don't, I don't really fit into it. Maybe, but maybe at this point, at forty-two, I'm starting to be, you know, an old guy that just needs to get out of the way of the of the way that younger people or the next the next the next group who's going to change the world is going to change the world. And this is how they're comfortable doing it, and how they're most effective doing it. I know that for for me. I, I'm not. I'm not really as capable as as most people or many younger people are at at the different avenues of social media. Like, you know, I have a Twitter account, but I'm terrible at it. I don't feel. I don't. I I don't really understand. You know who 
who who wants to hear what I just want to shout out of a off of a cliff? At least for me, a Facebook is a contract, you know, like a Facebook connection. You know, we agreed to be friends. So in other words, you agreed to to accept all of my ridiculous, stupid pictures and and posts and jokes and stuff like that. But Twitter or or some of the others that are just it just is like going outside and just shouting, "Hey, I had a great burger for lunch." You know, it is stupid. Who wants to hear me say that? Maybe if I'm a if I'm an incredible cook or I'm, I'm Anthony Bourdain, right? Somebody who who I would be curious, what, you know, oh, you had a great burger. That, at, where did you have it? I want to know cuz maybe it's really good. I I know you know something about this stuff. But Mike Travisano eating a burger, who gives a shit? Yeah. But, it, but that you hit on an interesting point that was I was thinking about when I posed the question was why do we do these things? Why do we have to shout out that we're at this restaurant or we went to this great party? Uh, it, it, at least part of it seems to me that it's about recognition, being recognized. Because you know if you're a YouTube sensation or you're using Snapchat or uh, whatever you're doing, it's about how many people are in your circle, how many likes do you have? Um, uh, even for my kids, I'll see where. You know, there was probably a day and age where kids came home and they watched TV and, and people were worried about that. Like, oh my gosh, our kids aren't getting enough physical activity. They're watching too much TV. They're not watching TV anymore. Now they're, they're connected to their phones or their, their iPads and, and they're doing short little videos or they're, they're playing things slow and then fast. Like my daughter, Bailey, she's 18 and she was doing that yesterday when I came home. She was just like recording the cat making meowing sounds and then playing it back and then playing it again, fast forwarding it, and then sharing it with everyone. And everyone's laughing because everybody loves cats on the internet. We know that, right? <laughs> but I was like, well, couldn't you do something better with your time? Um, but they enjoy it. Um, so it's it's for me, it's a love-hate relationship. I, I, I agree with you, Mike, that it's disruptive, it's a change, but I think it's here to stay. It's probably not killing uh, communications face-to-face, but it's certainly changing them. And, uh, you know, I was, I w- I'm a fan of science fiction, so I always feel like we're going to be in this world where it's not going to be overtaken by zombies, but it's going to be ta- overtaken by people connected to technology, maybe not even a handheld device, but it's connected to your brain, it's connected to your to your eyes, and it's optical, and you're just, we're just going to walk into each other all the time. Um, we're going to lose sight of the senses that we have, because we're not going to remember what it, what it is to smell something or to see something. I don't, I'm going off the deep end here, guys, but <laughs> I really think it's going to be different. Yeah. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. I was saying, I'm not nearly as connected even as you guys are in that way, but I, I do have kids and I, you know, I have some friends. Every now and then I get information relayed to me. You're like, did you hear this such and such? And I say, oh, um, no, I didn't. I haven't spoken with that person. And they'll say, well, yeah, here's, the, here's what's new. And I think, ah. How did I miss that one? Or, or at that moment, it seemed, I almost have like a filter for me that you know they hand me the important stuff. But I, I wonder beyond that, what else is going on that I might be missing for about a split second? And then I think to myself, you know what? To get away from this chaos and go someplace where I can think clearly or have a conversation with somebody in a way that I get to know them—not the cocktail hour kind of conversation, but more of the you know the relationship stuff. What's going on? How? How is this? It's so much more satisfying to me. And I asked my daughter the other day, you know, I said to her, do you, do you find that all of this stuff is, is too much? She says, well, yeah, you know, it is hard. I mean, you, you have to keep up with stuff. You, you definitely don't want to drop off that, you know, Facebook or something, because then you lose touch with everything. She said, on the other hand, if all my friends and everybody I know was willing to give it up, I'd give it up too. 
And I thought, that's interesting. So it's not really that you're excited about it. It's that you kind of got sucked into it. And it's now the, to put the way you said, Mike, it's the new way of communicating. And, and you, if you're going to be there, you got to be there. you got to be part of it. Now, luckily for me, I don't have to be part of it. I don't feel like I have to be part of it. I can ch- pick and choose those things that I want. And I just recently, I disconnected my home phone, which I, I'm probably the last person yeah. to do that. <laughs> you know, I, I know, but cell phones have become so reliable. What's the point of having the home phone? You know, why, why have it? And at the instant that I disconnected, I, I sent out a note to you guys saying, here's, you know, make sure you reach me on the cell phone from this point forward. And I felt terrible about it. I felt like I'd given up a real important connection part of my life to people that I knew. But I feel so much better every day knowing that if anyone's trying to get a hold of me that matters, they're probably going to get my cell phone. If they don't have the number, they're not going to get me anyway. And I don't have to go home and then wonder, what did I miss all day? So that piece is gone. So it's like if I started a Facebook account and that's the way I started to communicate, I think it would add a complexity to my life that would change the way I think about communications from that point forward, like what's important, who should I stay in touch with, how often do I have to touch base with them, whereas it's almost like a convenience to have that out there, just have it coming at me, but it's so distracting to have so much information and not, for me, not know how to handle it well and then get caught up in it to where I really don't want that. You know, I, what, I, what I worry about in my own use of social media, Facebook, or digital communications is that it, it's sort of easy for me to recognize a trap of that I'm not making a real connection with the people on the other end. I'm making a, a branded connection. And I'm, I'm, I'm on, on Facebook, I'm showing you what I want to show you. And even if I show something that, uh, that's maybe sensitive or, or, or tough or sad or something like that, it's still a branded message. You know, if, if I'm talking to someone and it's about it, something really important, uh, something emotional, something like that. I've got to be really good in the moment as I say it or as I do it or as I'm listening to it in order for it to be effective. And that's where the real mic is going to be, for better or worse, you know, warts and all or or, or great stuff and all. But on, on social media, I get to craft it. I get to show you exactly the picture that I want to show say the words just the way they want to be. I mean, if you look at my Facebook account, especially living in, in Italy for the past three years and, and putting out some, some musical work and stuff like that, you would think, oh my gosh, this either it's amazing or, or it's a lie, you know? And it's, it's not. It's, it's, my life is a heck of a lot more up and down and sad and happy. It's, it's, I have the same life as everybody, you know? But... It just happens. What I, I share, I don't share the the ugly stuff. I do. I do. I not share it because I'm trying to be uh, dishonest about my life, or or you know, is there some rule that says you have to share sad stuff? Well, but then I, I flip it on a little bit and I go, well, then I'm the guy that posts sad stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Or or that's my brand. You know, like you know, look, new album released in Rome and oh, how moody and sad I am. Or something, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do it well. But I, I can say for sure, it's not really me. Yeah. That's for sure. You need a publicist, Mike. You need somebody to, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe we all do, that somebody that posts social media on your behalf so it's more real. But I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And I, the one thing I wonder for us, the three of us are all kind of in the communications field to a certain extent. Maybe we're not the norm. I, I think there might be people that are terrible at having face-to-face conversations. So to flip 
the the question about is this digital media and digital communications kind of killing face-to-face communications. Maybe for some people it's opening up an avenue where I don't feel comfortable asking that girl on a date or I don't feel comfortable talking to my grandmother, but I'm okay with sending her a text message and saying, hey, I love you, Grandma. Happy birthday. Uh, and I bring that up as an example because, you know, getting my kids to, to call grandparents and say, just say thank you for that card they gave you. It's, it's very hard. Like they want to do it digitally. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work for me. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think about that a little bit in terms of, you know, this whole face to face thing. I was at a, uh, a wedding for my niece a few weeks back in New Jersey and I have a lot of cousins that I don't see all the time. And, um, Kind of jokingly, I, I tapped one of my cousins on the shoulder and I said, hey, you're not going to say hello? You're not going to say like, hey, how are you doing? You haven't seen me in a couple of years? She's like, I see you on Facebook all the time. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> That's that enough. I'm yeah. like, they, they don't need to see me anymore. I, I exist in in this uh, you know ethos that is you know the digital world. So they're fine. Yeah. Boy, though, that, that brings up, you know, there's the, the changing of the obvious question from is digital communi- communications killing real communications to, to the bigger one, is digital communications and, or digital relationships killing real relationships? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you get into, you know, artificial intelligence and all these other things where you have people that are building, you know, robots to, to handle, you know, day-to-day activities. I mean, it started in the factory world, but now... I, I I think in other countries they have them where you know somebody that can make you breakfast in the morning. You know, so. Well, there was a, there's a and gosh, I'll I'll have to look it up and and put it on the website you know for, uh, attached to this episode so that people can check it out. But there's a great documentary film about uh, I don't remember what the what the video game was, but it's one of these sort of simulated life video games where you log in and you have a character and you interact with other people, but you're interacting with their character, right? Mm-hmm. And and what the documentary did a really great job of doing was showing or asking a pretty profound question, are these relationships not valid? What what makes them any worse or than than a regular relationship between two people? Because, you know, my virtual person fell in love with your virtual person. Now, our real person, our our real personalities well, we're married and we have kids, but our virtual personalities, I've met you and we fell in love and our virtual characters are in love. And, and that's true and very real for me. And, you know, very interesting documentary because that's, it's, it's hard to say that that relationship was not entirely real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here we have a situation where, you know, we're, we're also part of that digital world or pieces of it, you know, in a podcast sense. And, we talked about this when we were first starting in, in that we wanted it to be real. We didn't want it to be, you know, prefabricated, thought out ahead of time, pre-planned. You know, it's kind of like the difference between a PowerPoint presentation and somebody standing up and, and telling you something from their heart, you know, that really matters. I, I totally prefer for myself, unless it's a very transactional kind of presentation, I would rather have the person just speak from their heart, from what's going on, what, what matters, that type of thing. Make it real. And I think we've chosen a path here, which also mimics that in the sense that we're not scripting it. It's not. It's not meant to be right or correct or that virtual perfect show. You know, it's got all the right answers. Listen to this show, and you'll you'll understand the five ways you know to better your life. It's not that. And I think for whatever reason, the three of us very much value that. You know, not going to that digital moment where 
everything can be virtually correct, you know, and not even have characters, have characters other than the real us, you know, have, have a make-believe me, a make-believe Bob, and a make-believe Mike that, that do the show, but they're scripted, like, you know, the, the newscasters, whatever, where they're reading off teleprompters and stuff like that. So we made that choice a number of, you know, short time ago, and, and now we're at a point where, you know, in asking the question, I'm wondering, is that, are we headed in the wrong direction in a sense, you know, and I don't think so. For me, I don't think at all. I don't think... I think I love the idea that we're able to get in the moment, in a real way, have a real conversation. We're not texting each other back and forth, holding up cue cards or anything like that. So there's, no, there's none of that. But the risk is that you're going to get to see the warts. You're going to get to see the mistakes or the, you know, the things that get spoken that, oops, I, if I had thought about that and rewrote the script, I would say it differently. But I think that makes it so much more real and better for me. Yeah. That's what I want. I want that person in my life. I don't want the... The, uh, <laughs> the computer-generated perfect person that says all the right stuff all the time, and and I fall in love with that person. I mean, that's you know, that's typically to me not the person I would fall in love with. I would fall in love with the the real person, the person behind all that. I think there's an exciting opportunity here, though, in terms of social and digital media that maybe the mechanism or or the medium doesn't exist yet. But a way to take what you just said, Joe, and the realness of the people and who you are and that vulnerability and the sharing and making it real, but combining that with even the extreme of what you mentioned, Mike, is like, okay, that's an avatar of Bob and an avatar of Mike, but if he's still real, are we okay with that? Like, can you, can you combine the two things together? Because we're on this path that I don't see it's ever going to change. Like you mentioned, Joe, earlier, could we have that day where no one sends an email or no one sends a text message? I think we're well beyond that. It, it, we're, we're glued to these devices. It's not going to change. But could we do something better? Like I, I think you know, Facebook is, I don't even know how old it is, but it, it's been out there for a good while. And it, even in, in terms of younger kids, they don't use it. it it's really kind of like the MySpace now. Um, yeah. you know, so they're on to different things. Um, and even as we mention those things, there's other things that are being formed. But I think there's an opportunity for some cool kind of uh, media that doesn't exist that could really, you know, the face and the Facebook, I'm sure when they came up with that name was really about the face-to-face -face interaction. But it didn't, it didn't hit the mark, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, my 20-year-old uh, cousin said to me about a year ago that uh, – uh, I had sent him a message on Facebook. He said, ah, I'm sorry, I just didn't see. It. I only check Facebook, you know, every every couple of weeks or something like that. I was like, Oh, you, you don't use it. He was like, No, no, no. I mean, my generation, we kind of stopped using it the moment we saw you guys using it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. any uh, any uh, last thoughts here about you know the face to face and digital communications, and then we'll we'll kind of leave it up to our listeners to kind of you know see what they have to say about it. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of trapped between the two. I, you know, a little bit older, so I've I've kind of grown up in a different way, and I I've been to enough of the uh, the cocktail party kind of conversations that I I chose at some point probably forty something. I just didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to go to one more place where I was talking about nothing, just for the sake of being there and you know talking, chatting, whatever like that. So I made a conscious decision to spend for myself to spend more time in real life, real life conversations, real life interactions, uh, and, and meet people where they are, you know, not, not pretend that everything is a certain way or ask questions that I didn't really care about the answers. And I was fortunate to be able to do that. 
But I'm at a point now where I think, and especially listening this morning to some of the different ways digital conversations are happening and how it's shifting very quickly, that it is good to stay in touch with that. And, and I'm fortunate, again, to have people around me that clue me into stuff, give me information that I need, and I don't have to sift through thousands and thousands of pages to get to it. It, it comes at me a lot quicker. So for me, I'm kind of trying to balance the two, but I'm still going to be the guy that leans towards, um, why don't we grab lunch at a quiet place and you know, and talk as opposed to let's go out to this bar where it's so noisy we have to shout at each other. We really can't hear each other. We're just, everything's going on on 20 screens and, you know, it's a sports bar kind of environment. To me, that you won't find me there very often, if ever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Joe on that. I'll certainly favor real, real uh, communications, real relationships or authentic conversations more than digital any time and i notice a lot of my friends not to not to judge friends or relatives that are really heavily into social media or social communications that i can't help but when i'm talking to them it feels as though they're looking over my shoulder for like is there something cooler like there's an attention span problem with, mm-hmm. <laughs> with you know with overuse of digital media it makes me wonder you know as my as my last thought what is that, you know, if Henry David Thoreau went off to Walden to sort of find himself or figure something out, that, that transcendental move that he did, where, what's the Walden of today? You know, if you were going to go do that, if somebody's going to go do that in the digital world, where is where would the Walden even be? Hmm. Great. Well, thank you both. And um, I, I, we hope our listeners have a many additional thoughts as well and you can check us out at obviousquestion.wordpress.com we'd love to hear from you and if you love the uh, podcast please share it with your friends digitally of course again that's obviousquestion.wordpress.com <laughs>